Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'm Ian Brinksman from Washington, D.C., and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dalimore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalimore. the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 713 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, wonderful co-host, Brittany Page. Do you know what is uh, interesting about Orange County? <laughs> many, many things are interesting about Orange County, California. Well, I, there's, I, there's one in particular, though. Is it Peggy Hall? No, it's the fact that it's, it's the worst. <laughs> It is. It is the worst. It is the worst. You know, when I was a teenager and I was thinking about moving to Southern California from Idaho, I was like, hmm, Southern California, it's going to be so much different. In so many ways, it's going to be different with the, uh, it'll be a radical demographic shift. It'll be uh, new scenery. And then I moved to Huntington Beach. Which yeah. is probably where all of the Nazis in Idaho are from, actually. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, it, it's the people who either just love California and be an uh, an OC bro, which we've talked about many times on the show, or just can't afford to move to Idaho, so they're left here. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of the conservative population in Southern California come out into the streets to continue to protest the mask mandates and the stay-at-home orders. And listen, I I am genuinely sympathetic to businesses that have been told that they, again, need to go to takeout only. Restaurants, right? Need to go to takeout only. Yeah, like and- even outdoor dining, like legitimate outdoor dining is shut down, which... Seems a little extreme to me, too. Well, and when you say legitimate, you're talking about the places that weren't doing, like, indoor-outdoor dining, where yeah. they were building, like, actual clubhouses. Yeah, like tents where it's just as poorly ventilated as indoors. Exactly. It's just a fucking, like, sealed-in tent with, like, a zipper door and shit. Yeah, yeah. That's not outdoor dining. For sure. I- I'm And I'm very sympathetic to these restaurants, that are here in California protesting the the order to close their businesses and lay off their workers. I'm I'm definitely sympathetic to that. Now, I am less sympathetic to the business owners that are like anti-mask and not wanting to follow any of the protocols because if you're if you're pro business, you should really be pro mask. You should be the most yeah. vocal mask proponent out there. There are businesses especially in the aforementioned Huntington Beach that masks are banned on the premises. Yeah. So it's not just like, 
Wear them if you got them. Don't wear them if you don't got them. Whatever. It's do you cannot wear a mask in this establishment. Yeah, it's like a principle that they have. Yeah. Ugh. They're sending a message. But the reason that I'm sympathetic to to the plight here is because the government is doing nothing. <laughs> They're talking about giving $600 stimulus checks and adding $300 to the unemployment checks. And I'm sitting here wondering, how is that going to help the estimated like 12 million Americans that owe an average $5,000 in back rent? Yeah. $600? They're really, well, you know, listen, that $600 is really going to be able to shore up all of the debt that was accumulated over the course of the nine months since this $1,200 was given. Yeah. It's a massive amount of money. And the eviction, <laughs> the eviction moratorium is ending uh, the federal one, the 31st. So we're in a countdown here to people. Landlords are going to take action immediately to push people into the streets, which is weird to me because who do they think is going to rent that unit that then becomes available? There's just a glut of people waiting in the wings to take those spaces. Yeah, I know it's wildly anecdotal, but in our area, we have seen a struggle for units that became available months ago to be filled. That They've are, been empty. That are never empty. That are in, never in empty. Our, in, in our neighborhood. A, a for rent sign will go up. Yeah. And it'll go up for five days and it's down. Yeah. And it's been up three, four months now. Right. Multiple units in our little area here. And uh, again, anecdotal. Right. But, but it's representative because we read the news and we hear the stories. Yeah. Of other people's anecdotal evidence. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but now here in Southern California, these protests were just happening this weekend. We are at 0% ICU bed availability Can I say something Southern about California. that? We, we had a protest, an anti-mask um, restaurant closure protest, mm-hmm. blocks from our house. And... The day that the protests were happening, like a fucking parade down the street with bar patrons coming out of the bars and raising their glasses to the parade of assholes going down the street. Dana Rohrbacher made an appearance. Dana fucking Rohrbacher, our former congressman. Yeah. Um, On the same day, our our emergency room... Eventually, I'll get it out, Brittany. Our, Our emergency room... Uh, availability was like 4% yeah. on that day. The ICU bed capacity was 4.2%. And now it's at zero. Yeah. I just, it's, there's a, just a fundamental lack of one brains, but two, empathy for your fellow humans. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't get it. I, I don't fucking get it. And that's the thing for all the people that this whole time you've heard this a lot, right? Well, I'm healthy. I'm young. I'll be fine. Yeah. And every time I heard that, my thought is, it's not about you. Yeah. Because you, healthy person, walking around with the virus, asymptomatic person, can give it to someone else who will then need an ICU bed. Yeah. Who could then potentially die. And also, all these ICU beds being filled prevents... Other people who need those beds, who are having heart attacks, who are getting in car accidents, who are having other health emergencies, when they go to the hospital, they're screwed. Yeah. So I just, I don't understand not being forward looking, not being able to consider other situations outside yourself for adults to say, I'm healthy, I'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, it's also... That's just remarkable every time I hear it. There's. It's also revealed this, kind of like the MAGA hat revealed all the assholes that you wouldn't have, have known were assholes until they broadcast it with a hat on. We're also seeing these types who refuse, who, who like begrudgingly wear their mask when they walk into the to the grocery store mm-hmm. or or the post office that just fucking happened yesterday. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Um, or they rip the mask off as soon as they cross, cross the threshold leaving. Right. Yesterday, oh, we got to talk about the gift anyway. Mm-hmm. So yesterday, a few days ago, we went down and we got a, the little yellow card saying, hey, you got a package and it's too big to put in one of the boxes. So we went down to pick it up. We're waiting in a line because it's Christmas time. People want to mail their shit. And the guy in front of us, not wearing a mask and watching, really, just the just the fucking chef's kiss, watching, he's streaming Fox News on his phone, watching Fox News without a mask on, right up against everybody. So we, I take a few steps back to make sure there's like 15 feet in between he and I. Uh, he's in front of us. We get all the way to the front. He's getting ready to go into the threshold. He puts his mask on, under his nose, of course. And turns to us and says, hey, man, would you watch my spot for me? I've got to go fill out some addresses or something. Mm-hmm. And I stared at him and I said, like, get the fuck away from me. You're an anti-masker. I don't want. No. Ultimately, no. I, I probably wasn't as friendly as I could have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to hold your spot. Get away from me. Mm-hmm. He's like, really, dude? Anyway, it didn't turn into like a physical confrontation. I did laugh in his face, a lot of laughing, because he threatened me. Well, yeah, it turned into like a, anyway, yeah. What did he say? Do you know what I do? You know what I do for a living? That's yeah. what, which is a I new mean, it one. was basically like I have a special set of skills. Like he turned into yes, Liam Neeson. All but, like did. it was very mysterious. And I, you, you don't want to know what I do for a living. Let's have some fun. Did, he did say, "Let's have some fun." Yeah, too. it was just what's, what's happening that movie? right now. Is it taken? Uh, yeah, he it, tried to take in me. He had a boot <laughs> on his foot. He's you know has some sort of injury, and he's trying to be a tough guy. It was just what's happening right now. Yeah. So anyway, he pointed at his mask. I said, "You just put it on." And his nose was hanging out. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm not going to do you a solid. I'm not going to be do you a favor. No. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there was another woman that was walking around without a mask on with her child, and she was very close to everybody. Again, Orange County. This is the deal. Yeah, she didn't have a mask on, very close to everybody, in and out of the line. She walked by me, and she said sorry because she was so close to me, and she was moving through us. And I said, well, you should actually be more sorry that you're not wearing a mask. And then she said, well, we have them. <laughs> they do a lot of good when they're in your purse, lady. Yeah, so they're just on your purse. And not on your fucking face. And not on the face, which is not not the recommended use, I hear. So, one, it is, it tells me you've kind of, I don't want to be over dramatic about it, but you've reached your, your tipping point. You've been pushed a little bit over the edge. Me? Yeah, because you're you're now really willing to to get in some faces. Uh, I don't think I got in anyone's face. I no, just, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with pointing out that someone is 
being disrespectful in public, and this is a form of being disrespectful in public. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, that's true. And it, I, it just, feels aggressive at this point. It feels yeah. aggressive to be out in public around other people with a without a mask on. L- let me let me amend my statement then. So it's not that you've reached a tipping point and now you will co- confront people. It's I think that you're a lot more ready to do so. Like there's no hesitation. Yeah, sure. I, when do you think that happened? I guess, or what are you what are you trying to? Well, usually because when that lady cut the line, cut through to the line to go into the building, you normally when a, a confrontation like that happens, there's like you take a beat, you think about, but there was no taking a beat. You immediately responded to her, so it it seems to me that it's like a, you know, the the fuse the fuse has been blown and there's just. Circuit going straight through. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a month. I don't even know if that analogy works. A month ago, I said something to someone in a grocery store as well. We don't need to get into that. It was a little less (laughs) tactful. It wasn't as tactful. But yeah, I like I said, I think it's aggressive at this point and very disrespectful. And if everyone can just do the right thing, we we won't have people dying unnecessarily. And that's really what the point is. I think. Yeah, I mean, almost a third of a million Americans have died at this point. It's, it's getting goddamn ridiculous. And we're not even talking about the, the trauma uh, for the people that are taking care of the people that are dying. Yeah. Uh, the traumas that are happening for people that are losing their family members. Uh, we're not even talking about all that. We're just talking about the illness itself, and that is still profound. Yeah. So, we'd love to know what kind of experiences you guys are having. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. You can email an email or a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. So while we were waiting in line and being taken in the line, mm-hmm. being with the guy who had a special set of skills, he was going to use his his boot cast to to kick me right in the ass or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were waiting in line to get something that was mailed to us, like we said, and we got it, and it was a gift from a listener. Hi, Jesse and Brit. Oh, I'm sorry. I was actually first. <laughs> and I read your name first. <laughs> I'm just, what is that? What is that coming out? Is that internalized misogyny? That's right, yeah. <laughs> or I think you're just recognizing the import that I bring to the table sure. here. It's Jesse Dollamore here. Sure, I, I can't believe I skipped over my own name. Wow. Hi, Brittany and Jesse. I was, l- actually, you're in parentheses, and I still skipped over myself. I'm parenthetically mentioned? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how I fucking feel about I, that. I think that's, that's prick shit, bro. That's prick shit. <laughs> I think that that's what happened is I was like preemptively caretaking on your behalf. Like, oh, poor Jesse. He's in parentheses. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you know me. <laughs> I, I'm real sensitive to that okay. shit. Hi, Brittany. Parenthetically. And Jesse. I was listening to episode 710 today and was surprised to hear that you have and ride a Peloton bike. Interesting emphasis. Where was the emphasis? On surprised and R- and. I was surprised. Oh my God. I was shocked and horrified and surprised by the fact that you not only have one, but and, and you, you ride one. <laughs> I've been a long-time listener. I love the conversation and look forward to Jesse's passionate delivery every week. I started a small business called VeloTowel. We make sweat management accessories for the Peloton bike. Enclosed, please find 
the frame wrap protects your bike's frame. The aero wrap is a two-in-one face towel that also protects the center handlebar. The velo mat is a mat for your mat. All of the products are, of course, washable. I didn't hear if you have the bike or bike plus. Everything that I sent will fit the first generation bike. The mat works with both. I love the show. Brittany is the best part. Best regards, Sean. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, thank you, Sean. Yeah, this is great. Absolutely wonderful. We actually put all of the towels onto the bike. And you were correct, Sean. We have the first generation bike. We do not have the bike plus. So it works perfectly. And what a great company. Thank you so much for yeah. sending us the towels. Velo Towel, V-E-L-O-T-O-W-E-L.com. Yeah. If you're a Peloton rider, and this isn't like a sponsor, they just sent us the stuff, and it's good. We, we, we strapped it on or Velcroed it onto the bike, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I'm getting ready to get back on now that my operation is not quite as impactful on my everyday <laughs> life. Sure. Because as you know, the seats aren't exactly comfortable. Mm-hmm. On the area in which I had an operation. Yes. My balls. Sure. I'm talking about my balls. Yeah. So thank you, Sean. Very, very thoughtful. We appreciate all oh, when we're being thought of by our listeners. And, you know, it's exciting to get gifts and <laughs> not get in a fight at the post office. Exactly. Quit sending us to the post office. So we, we will put that inform- information in the in the show notes as always. Uh, Let's get to some listener communication. Hey, guys. This is Roxanne from L.A. I started listening this year uh, from recommendation from my friend Jennifer. And I hate to bring this up. This is in reference to your episode about uh, vaccines and the black American community. Um, I support science. I support experts. The only problem is, as has been already mentioned, scientists are human beings. They also have biases and prejudices. And the more I read about data collection, the more horrified I am by how much those biases influence data collection. Um, The fact that we only recently learned that uh, heart attacks present differently in women, uh, as you've mentioned already, how certain illnesses and diseases and such appear in pale skin, but they don't have documentation for how it appears in uh, darker skin. I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I get fear. Uh, I probably should have led with that I'm African-American. Um, I understand the reservations that other black people have about it. And even though, yes, there are studies and they do, they basically double-check their work, my fear is who are they testing? Um, I've also seen articles where they admit that they don't um, – reach out or they don't do their due diligence and hire black people. They don't to to participate in these studies. They don't reach out to women to participate in these studies. So a lot of these results that they're publishing are results tested usually on white males, certain height, certain build, certain age. Um, I would be more comfortable if they were more diverse in who they tested these things on and who volunteers for these sort of things. Uh, Love your show. Uh, I think you're both the best part. That was a question at the end there. I was waiting. <laughs> uh, I think you're both the best part. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. best part? <laughs> <laughs> well, shout out to Jennifer for turning so many people onto the show. I feel like a lot of people have called recently and said, hi, I am here because of Jennifer. 
Yeah, Jennifer's like the fucking brand ambassador of the show. <laughs> Goddamn. So thank you for that. And thank you, Roxanne, for the call. Very nice to hear your voice. I saw a tweet from Nicole Hannah-Jones. Nicole Hannah-Jones works for the New York Times. She did the 1619 Project. Yeah. And she is a black woman. And she tweeted about the first vaccine that was given. Because the first vaccine that was given in the United States, I should be specific, because actually the UK uh, got it done before us, everybody. That's right. So the first woman to get it was a black woman and the nurse who gave it to her was a black woman. And Nicole Hannah Jones highlighted this as something that she saw as important as sending a message optics. And she also tweeted because I think there were people that were expressing concerns and skepticism about the vaccine. Like, like we've heard here on the show. And so I just wanted to read her take on this. She said, If we were to compare the COVID vaccine to the Tuskegee experiment, it would mean that black people sick from COVID are told they are getting treatment when they are not. I understand the skepticism, but us not getting access to life-saving vaccine would not be justice. Black men in the Tuskegee experiment were not given slash injected with syphilis. They already had it and were told they would receive free medical treatment for it. Instead, the syphilis was left untreated. Would it be better if black people were denied this vaccine? It's definitely a distinction that needs to be drawn. Absolutely. Also, the fact that this isn't an effort by the American government or world governments to specifically treat black Americans who have COVID or don't have COVID and, and want to uh, inoculate them against it. This is uh, en masse. Now, some of the concerns that I heard Rox- Roxanne talk about is that the methodology with which they go about designing these particular treatments excludes black people a lot of times. But the way that I understand, the way I understand the way they went about it this time is they really made a concerted effort to make sure there was a wide array of individuals taken into account and included in the clinical trials. So I think some of, while while some of the fear and trepidation is warranted. We need to do what's best for our fellow humans. And that is to take the vaccine, get the vaccine unless you're legitimately medically precluded from doing so, because that is the only way we're going to be able to move forward as a healthy society. I wanted to also point out that she tweeted this screenshot of a Vox article that said one in 1,000 black Americans has died from COVID-19. For whites, it's more like one in 2,100. Yeah. And she tweeted posting about Tuskegee, but ignoring this is immoral. So basically saying that black people are dying at a higher rate from COVID-19 and to put something out there that dissuades them from getting a life-saving vaccine from this disease that is killing them at a higher rate is immoral. One in a thousand. That is a stark number. I mean, it's more important for the black community to get in on this vaccine than it is whites because of that number in and of itself. So I would really, I I would um, strongly encourage you to, to set aside, to belay your, your reservations do some more research um, because it isn't, this is important. This is so important 
for the good of the country and for the good of your community. Look, like I said, and I'm, I'll end it with this on my part. Uh, I understand. I get it. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't, haven't lived it, so I don't, I don't like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. But I have a brain, and I can, I can understand that kind of generational trauma that, that, that gets passed down, handed down, even through stories. And, and um, how you deal with, with white America and white supremacy. Yeah, you know, that, that's understandable. But I just think that this is that there's this is an important time, and you need to really step up to protect that one in a thousand in Black America who will die. So I also wanted to cite this article from Reuters in August. According to this reporting, nearly a fifth of the eleven thousand people enrolled at this point in the article so far in a 30,000 volunteer United States trial testing the COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer and from BioNTech are black or Latino. Wow. 20%. That's, that's a big number. So I, I think that it's useful to look to experts and see what they are saying about it. And like you, you said the phrase, do your own research. And I get a little, uh, I don't really like that phrase when, yeah, yeah. when we're talking about this because how well equipped are average people to do their own research when it comes to vaccines? Not very much. And I'm talking about myself when I say that. Yeah, we're talking technical science shit. Here. Yeah. So what, what I meant by that is look into the number you just named. Right. Look, find those types of numbers, which are readily available right it's like that meme of ralph from the simpsons and he's like i'm a researcher you know (laughs) i glued my chin to my shoulder (laughs) you choo choo choose me (laughs) i fucking love that guy yeah anyway thank you roxanne we appreciate it listen also i don't want to i don't want to be the fucking white guy who's explaining to the black community their their fears and trepidations are fucking illogical that's not what i'm doing don't take me wrong at all I'm not fucking doing that. I'm just saying that there are there are some of the parallels that I'm seeing being drawn, not necessarily on this show, but online in comment threads, they don't really line up to what's happening right now. They're not congruent. It's not an analog situation, what's happening now in, let's say, the, the Tuskegee experiments. Mm-hmm. So thanks for the call. Absolutely. We appreciate you. And thank you to Jen, the brand ambassador. Moving on. Jesse and Brittany, it's Jim in Houston, and um, I watched your YouTube, Jesse, your YouTube presentation for the financial distinctions between red and blue counties. Man, I'm telling you, we're going to kill each other, and we don't have to. There ought to be a bunch of sober adults who can get together and we can agree we don't want to kill each other, but we don't want to live with each other. Let's divorce. Let's just break this up. I mean, I can see about five states where people roughly will get along. I'm in Houston and I will move. They can have it. Um, Oregon's calling my name. Um, We don't have to kill each other. Now, Washington, D.C. can become a museum district. And um, I know Idaho's going to want some oceanfront property, but they can't invade Washington. We can put that in the agreement. But let's stop this. I'm tired, y'all. Um, <laughs> good Lord, this is going to be a trip. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. So this is something I'm seeing a lot, too, because there was talk about the seceding. Rush Limbaugh talked about it, that, that uh, 
that we may end up, this might be, he even talked about it not being a peaceful uh, secession, mm-hmm. which is a civil war. I and, love how all of these conservative commentators think they're like Jason Bourne. Yeah, especially what is fucking Rush, Rush Limbaugh. What is Rush Limbaugh going to do in that scenario? Please. Please. <laughs> not much, Brittany. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I could get really fucking rude, but not much. We'll just say that. I don't think we've ever heard you get really fucking yeah, rude. Yeah, I know. I think I really try to, to tamp that down on the show. I'm, I'm a pretty level-headed guy. Yeah. You, you see that. I. That's all I've ever seen. P- people often comment about how... <laughs> How nice and level-headed I am. Cool, calm, and collected. Absolutely. Those words, they may as well be my middle name. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. So, um, I I, I hear this a lot, that we could... uh, Well, first of all, I I see Republicans and Democrats do it. Like, Democrats will say, fuck Alabama, let them go. And, And Republicans will say, yeah, fuck California, let it fall into the ocean. Forgetting... That, you know, maybe 35% of California is Republican. And maybe 50% or slightly less than 50% of Alabama is Democrat. Like, all of Texas is not just all Republicans. We've got a lot of listeners in Texas who are progressive, who are more than progressive, who are fucking leftists. So you can't just ride off. We can't just segregate. And I don't know whether... Jim's being kind of funny or tongue in cheek about, you know, he could move from Houston. Great. There's a lot of people out there who don't have the means. Yeah. To just up and fucking move to a whole different state without a support network there because it's Democrat or it's not whatever. It's just. It's it goes beyond just getting along and how are we going to do it? We can, you know, I don't know. It's very tough because we live in a situation where. It's not just about getting along like, oh, we just have different beliefs. We're beyond that now. We're beyond just having different level playing field belief systems. This is about supporting and propping up a fucking fascist, racism, terrible ideologies that are openly supported by the Republican Party, and then the rest of the civilized world. If you, We can have those types of even-handed equal playing field discussions within the Democratic Party about health care and a number of different policy proposals. But between Republican and Democrat, it's it's fucking over, you Th- seem, those discussions. You seem like you just took a turn to Jimtown. No, I'm talking about the segregation, like, mo- like s- the secession topic. Oh. Because oh, I'm not ready to abandon everybody in Alabama because it's mostly conservative, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of our brethren there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I'm talking about the ideas ideologically because mm-hmm. I don't know maybe I'm I'm um, mixing up that what he's saying yeah I'm clouding the issue I mean here's kind of where I stand on it uh, it's not going to happen so it's not a thing that's going to happen wow. so fucking buzz kill I know <laughs> Jesus I you know I love to sit around and talk about things that will never happen but I don't really have time to do that right now she's not a Christian <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one I could get that well listen Washington DC is a perfect example of this where it is I believe correct me if I'm wrong predominantly liberal yeah for sure way, and yeah, way, way, you way. just saw the proud boys going crazy in the streets of dc ripping down black lives matter signs from churches black and churches yeah. and lighting them on fire in the street and stand back and stand by everybody 
I like four people were stabbed. I don't know who stabbed who, but it's the streets were filled with proud boys with with yeah. racist protesters that were lighting Black Lives Matter banners on fire Ugh. in D.C. in a place where there's a lot of liberals. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I don't see the you go here. We go here. We split this off. We do this. I just I don't see how that's going to happen logistically, but I'm willing to be convinced by it. I wonder how they um, put those fires out. Wet ass P word. <laughs> or maybe, maybe they had some some tools on hand to take care of it. Bring a bucket and a mop to put out the fire. I knew something. I knew something was happening. Why? You don't fucking know what's going on on this side. I can tell by the look on your face when we you're getting ready to play. We are several feet apart. You have no fucking idea what's going on over here. I can see your face, and that's a pretty good. Pretty My good. face is pretty good. Why, thank that's you. That's a pretty good indicator. On. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore <laughs> comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Christopher N. Christopher N. And Brian B. Jr. Brian B. Jr. Thank you so very much for your beautiful support. We appreciate each and every one of our lovely and talented Patreon supporters. We are having our Patreon hangouts this week. So do not forget, Friday, December 18th at 7 p.m. That's fucking Los tomorrow. Angeles time. And Saturday... December 18th at 11 a.m. Los Angeles time. So Friday and Saturday are both the 18th in December this year. That's good. That's an amazing thing. 19th. I cannot wait for that to happen. Oopsies, the 19th. (laughs) Okay. So everything's fine. So last month, the calls were a little small, and typically that happens around the holidays. So that may be the case uh, again, although everyone should be at home, but maybe they're doing holiday things at home. I don't know. Maybe they just fucking hate me. That is likely not it. But it's possible. You're not ruling it out. (laughs) Sure. So (laughs) thank you just to everyone who listens to the show and interacts with us. Please save the phone number 657-464-7609 and the email, I doubt it, at dollamore.com in your smartphone. Create a little contact for us because we'd love to hear from you whenever you hear something on the show that you disagree with or that you want to praise us for. We love that too. Wow. Yeah solicitation of the the praise we all need it we could all use some of that this time of year (laughs) all right we love you guys moving on dollamocracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism so laura ingram has successfully defeated pornhub (laughs) what why are you saying that? Why are you saying that? Well, because she didn't, but she's taking credit for it. She Wait, wait, wait. I knew that this segment was going to be about Nicholas Kristof's article in the New York Times. Yeah. About Pornhub. Right. And about some of their terrible practices. Right. It's called The Children of Pornhub. And I know that you made an, a mention that you only were finding this story picked up by conservative media, which is a fucking bummer, by the way. Primarily. <laughs> but... Is, is is Laura Ingram or are people actually giving Laura Ingram credit 
for what Nicholas Kristoff was able to make happen? Well, most importantly, Laura Ingram is giving Laura Ingram credit <laughs> for what Nicholas Kristoff did. By the way, why don't I have a Laura Ingram drop? That is weird. Very weird. Why is the only drop I have? What about the majority? Okay, the majority. I'm so tired of protecting the minority. Ainsley Earhart. I know why. Why? You, you hate women. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking women. Okay, so... Here's a woman with a small brain, with a brain a third the size of us. It's science. Pornhub is the 10th most visited website in the world. It attracts 3.5 billion visits a month, more than Netflix, Yahoo, or Amazon. More than Netflix? Yeah. Yes. More than Amazon? Yeah. And Holy why aren't you surprised fuck. by Yahoo? <laughs> Is Yahoo More st- than Yahoo? I didn't say Yahoo. <laughs> I said Netflix and Amazon. Yeah, I know, but it says more than Netflix, Yahoo, and Amazon. That's like saying more than GeoCities? <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't, like, of course. Of course it's more than Yahoo. Dollamore.com probably gets more than Yahoo. Yeah. It doesn't. So... It also ranks in money from almost 3 billion ad impressions a day. And again, this is all according to Nicholas Kristof's reporting in the New York Times. But he says there's another side to the company. Quote, its site is infested with rape videos. It monetizes child rapes, revenge pornography, spy cam videos of women showering, racist and misogynistic content, and footage of women being asphyxiated in plastic bags. A search for girls under 18, no space, or 14 Y-O leads to, in each case, more than 100,000 videos. Or, or it did until a, a couple days after this article, changes were immediately made. Yeah, so he said... Well, but hang on, though, real quick. It's one thing to have the content up. It's bad enough. It's fucking terrible and deplorable enough. But if you're monetizing that content, then you're profiting off of the misery and the rape and the torture of, of, of kids, too. Mm-hmm. Goddamn. Yeah. He says, quote, most aren't of children being assaulted, but too many are, and goes on to describe specific situations in which children are being assaulted on in Pornhub videos. So he goes on to list out several different problems with Pornhub and the model. This is also a Canadian website, by the way. So he calls out Justin Trudeau specifically and asks him why he is allowing this website to operate the way that it is operating. And he gives some recommendations at the end of the article. And Pornhub, what do you know? made some changes that are aligned with some of those recommendations that Nicholas Kristof outlined in his article, even though they tried to say that these changes were a long time coming, okay? The first one, Pornhub will allow videos to be uploaded only by people who have verified their identities. Good move. Two, it will improve moderation. Very vague, nebulous. Yeah, for sure. Three, it will no longer allow video downloads, which was a problem because these people who had videos up of their assaults, their sexual assaults, 
would get them removed in some cases, but then they would reappear because people had downloaded them and yeah. then they could just simply re-upload them. Now, Nicholas Kristoff warns against some of these changes and says, we should all be suitably skeptical. Fake IDs abound. And in September, a Tuscaloosa man was charged with sexually assaulting a 16-year-old girl in videos that he posted on his verified Pornhub account. And even if there is no download button, it is still possible to download using other methods. So what do you think about those changes? Well, I th- well, if that's a, a question to me and not the audience or maybe to everybody. Yeah. I would say that it's going to take away the ability of your of the vast majority. Of, I mean, if you're dedicated and really, really um, focused on on finding the content and and uploading it, you're going to do it. But it's taking it away from the masses to do so. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like a normal person doesn't know how to download a YouTube video because there's not a download button. You have to go through steps and do a little bit of research, go out of your way to figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I I would say it is a step in the right direction, but you absolutely have to monitor and make sure that it's going to continue to be uh, a workable solution. Right. The reason I'm concerned about how they're going to improve their moderation is a an article recently ran with Business Insider about the moderation practices, and a reporter interviewed three former employees of MindGeek, which is the Pornhub parent company, and they said basically that they were paid to watch up to 1,200 videos a day and to find weird excuses, I believe is the phrase that they used, to keep the videos up on the site. Huh. So. They were told, basically, like, watch the videos, but figure out how to get them to stay, which seems like a problem. Here's what's positive about this is that Pornhub is under a microscope now. Yeah. Everyone is looking at it. Not enough people. (laughs) And that kind of goes to my issue of not seeing enough people talking about this article. MasterCard and Visa are no longer accepted forms of payment on Pornhub. Yeah, they pulled away. They pulled out. No pun intended, since we're talking about porn. And headlines were out about that, and I saw a lot of negative responses to it. A lot of liberals. And people are apparently not reading the article or not finding it important. I don't know. But Nicholas Kristoff is also getting death threats. God damn. And this seems like a pretty straightforward situation, where everyone can at least be in, in agreement that children and their sexual assaults should not be monetized for profit on the internet. It shouldn't be on the internet. Shouldn't be, be on the for internet. Sure. But, but certainly going back to the, the distinction I made earlier, certainly not monetizable. You're, you're certainly shouldn't be making money off of it. It should be criminalized is what it should be. Exactly. Listen, I, I served on a, on a federal grand jury for those of you who maybe just joined the show and haven't been listening very long for a year. You did that 12 months. 18 months, because we got extended because of a certain particular high-profile case. Ooh. And um, I'm not going to say anything. Michael Avenatti. And, uh, oh, my God. I'm so stressed out right now. Why? It's not illegal. Okay. I'm not giving any details. Everyone knows he got indicted. Oh. And, every, and, and there's only one grand jury in Orange County. He got indicted out of here. I was on the case. Hmm. That is actually the first time I've mentioned it on the show, though. Yeah. I'm going to puke. You heard it here first here, folks. (laughs) 
I was on the grand jury that indicted oh Michael God. Avenatti. Quit saying it. And here are all of the secret details that you didn't know. Yeah, go read them. They're in the news. Yeah, they're in the news. <laughs> not all of them, though. Okay, enough, please. For the love of God, so the I'm most, trying to save you and you're not letting one, me. The juiciest one is this. Oh, Jesus. Can you believe that? Seriously, I'm going to puke. <laughs> Stop. So A nightmare. Anyway, all that's true, by the way. Okay. The grand jury. <laughs> no, no. So, oh, I, okay. so, yeah. So, I served on a grand jury for 12, 12 months, once a week for 12 months. Mm-hmm. And we had occasion to have several child porn and child exploitation cases. The first several... It was a room full of tearful adults and terrible shit. I remember you would come home and you would be visibly upset. Yeah. Like it was tears. It I'm would, crying in, in the grand jury. Room. It would stay with you. It wouldn't just be something that you hear the case and then you leave. Like it would stay with you. And they don't play the videos, but they have a person from Homeland Security Criminal Investigations who's there whose job is sex crimes against children. And he goes play-by-play explaining, describing in graphic detail the videos. And the stuff that Nicholas Kristof is talking about in in this article is no fucking different. There's very little derivation between what he is describing in this article and what a federal authority who prosecutes sex crimes against children was describing in a grand jury, in a federal grand jury proceeding. So I've, I've got a little bit of an issue here because, look, sex work is work. Yes, gotcha. I believe prostitution should be legal. But we need to protect kids. First and foremost, we need to protect kids. And in this article, he describes a 14-year-old girl who was coerced by her slightly older boyfriend to send him videos of her naked. She's a kid, so she does. They end up on Pornhub. He tells all his friends about it. She's slut-shamed. She attempts suicide. She moves to a different school. The rumors follow her there. The stress and the anxiety and the shame drives her to drug addiction. A falling out with her family. She ends up homeless. Selling herself on Craigslist. Maybe a couple more attempts at suicide. Now she's homeless living in her car. We need to protect kids. This young girl's 19 now. And still dealing with the ramifications of shit that went on when she was 14 years old. So all of the the shit that's being driven Nicholas Kristoff's way from from what I presume are liberal people 
It's bothersome to me. Why is that the presumption? Well, you think anti-porn conservatives are be threatening his life because of this? It's, it, it's, I don't know. I know a lot of liberals who are sex positive, and that is wonderful. But oftentimes, it's at the expense of everything. I mean, we've had conversations on Patreon calls where people are like, sex works work. Yeah, of course. Of course it is. It's fine. But but it, to, to put regulations in place and to, to um, stifle and stymie the ability of Pornhub to publish child porn isn't taken away from sex work being work, isn't taken away from the freedom of consenting adults to publish whatever the fuck they want of things they've done. When you watch porn, at least it used to be this way, they would have like a a disclaimer at the beginning of the video saying, hey, listen, all the participants are above 18 and all the records verifying such are kept at this address. And that's not the case on Pornhub. Well, and I, I guess I wonder how many people that are angry about like the MasterCard and the Visa story and all this just haven't read the actual article by Nicholas Kristoff. Very possible. And listen, I don't know if that's the case because actually I, I did see someone who is a liberal upset about the MasterCard Visa thing and I, I sent them the article that Nicholas Kristoff wrote and I never got a response. So I don't know if they didn't read it. I don't, you know, I don't know. But I'm yeah. hoping that it's because they just don't know the story. Because I feel like if you know what's going on, then it's common sense to want this to change and want this to stop. And I've also seen people saying, yeah, Pornhub sucks anyway. These other sites are better. And listen, be careful because are the other sites just like Pornhub? Nicholas Kristoff reported that X videos, for example, which is just as highly visited, apparently very popular, that a search for less than 18 on X videos, the most visited porn site in the world, according to his reporting. X videos is? Yeah. Returns thousands of videos plus suggestions for additional searches, including training bra, really young, she's not adult, preteen, and 11 year old. A search for middle school leads to a suggestion to try elementary school. So these are these are concerning things that people <sighs> should be paying attention to. And like he calls for here, structural change that can stop the exploitation of children. Yeah, that's it. So it doesn't seem controversial, but I, I wish that more people would go read the article and maybe share it with people they know so you can get the word out about these websites and the way that they are uh, profiting off exploitation. Do you think that it, it it's kind of a thing where people, if you attack porn, they automatically label you pur- puritanical hmm. or a prude or uh, trying to take down the porn industry or something? Possibly, although if you read the article, Nicholas Kristoff and the survivors actually push against that. They aren't calling for an end to porn. That's not what they're doing. They want the exploitation to stop. They yeah. want the crimes to stop. They want Pornhub not to profit off crimes. Uh, yeah, horrific. Maybe the worst of the worst of crimes. Right. They're not saying end porn. That's not the argument. Nicholas Kristoff isn't saying that. The survivors aren't saying that. So if people are drawing that conclusion, it's explicitly stated that that's not the conclusion. So I don't know where they would be getting that. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. We'd love to know what you think. Um, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo or a regular old email to I doubt it. 
at dollamore.com. All right, moving on. Another thing that I now I just feel like I'm I I'm in a beat up on liberals mood, hmm. which is because that that whole thing I really in my heart feel like it's liberals mainly who are attacking Nicholas Kristof. Hmm. I, I just don't I, I I don't know maybe it's me. I, I'd love the audience to sound off on that. I, I don't know. I'm gonna lean toward sexual predators. All right. Um, so anyway, I, I feel like this now it's another another discussion of liberals who are out of their fucking minds. How about that? <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard this week. Two stories on Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi. She's on her way out. Yeah, one, listen, here, I tell you what. Here we go, everybody. If you didn't know, I have been right about fucking Tulsi Gabbard. All along. How dare you? I was right, too. Well, I'm talking. I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. Well, I just gave you permission, so. All right. I'll play it again and say yes. No, do not play it again. (laughs) All you need to do is say we. Listen, Brittany Page and I have been for a long time, (laughs) um, you know, in tandem. One of us would stretch open Tulsi Gabbard's mouth. and The other would take a big fat dump Pornhub style right into her mouth. That's. Too much? That's. I I mean. Is that aggressive? It's pretty. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Anyway, all jokes aside, uh, Tulsi Gabbard for a long time has held kind of a, a special place in this certain flavor of liberal, liberal's heart. People call her a progressive. A progressive, that's right. We saw this, I think, in the Dollarmore listener group. Yes. Well, she was, but she's been called a progressive for a long time, which has always been strange for me because I, I haven't seen her that way. I mean, she's fucking Jill Stein 2.0. Yes. Yes. In some ways, she obviously deviates from that quite a bit because she was raised, she comes from a very fundamentalist religious background, which I think anti gay bigots which i think influences her views still today she obviously ran for president i think she resigned her seat when she was running for president is that correct is that why she's on her way out No, she announced she wasn't going to run again i think okay that's that's right because she's still a congresswoman right now for another couple weeks yeah i'm using the incorrect phrase so but she's she's leaving she's on her way out she's on her way out and what my calculation is we'll get ready for a future fucking horn toot yeah go into fox news oh she's gonna be a fox news commentator i'm no i have no idea i have no information no intelligence on this matter but that is what i believe her career holds that's what i think she's gearing up for is that based on what you see as multiple appearances on fox news on every single show she is a staple on Fox News. And then also I'm assuming that the way she's choosing to spend her time on her way out and what she's choosing to focus on on her way out is giving you that impression as well. Yes, ma'am. Would you be talking about the abortion legislation that she is wanting to enact uh, a 20-week abortion ban? Yeah, a bill she's introduced. And then also the anti-trans legislation. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard is a fucking bigot. So listen, he, before we get into this, 
And this isn't like propaganda. This isn't like, oh, it's just an attack on Tulsi Gabbard as a wonderful progressive lady, everybody. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm going to play like two and a half minutes or so of Tulsi Gabbard explaining her Defend Protect Women's Sports Act, which is an anti-trans bigotry bill. But what I want to say before that is everybody out there, the people who I've said, let's stop attacking progressives, valuable progressives in the movement. I would hope that after you've witnessed her introduce with a Republican an anti-trans bigotry bill and an anti-abortion bill that you would say, huh, why was it that I thought she was progressive? What what was I wrong about? Hmm. And how can I correct that into the future? So you're hoping for some self-reflection on what went wrong. How, yes. did, how did this person convince you when obviously she was misrepresenting herself yes. and her values? And let me say that there have been cases in the past where I have been bamboozled by the slickery of someone. And you've had to do that same process. Be self-reflective, figure Pete, out what you missed. Pete Buttigieg is hmm. one. Okay. And where I where I went wrong was I got caught up in the slickness of his speech and not really bearing down on the context of what the fuck he was saying. You just explained Ben Shapiro's fan club. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. No, I'm serious. I had someone say, I love Ben Shapiro. And I'm like, is that because he talks so fast? Do you think he's smart? I mean, I think a lot of why people think Ben Shapiro is intelligent boils down to that. I, really I said do. certified freak seven days a week. You hear how intelligent that sounds? Very fast. Very <laughs> smart. So I would just really, I, and it's not me being a cock. I really would want everybody to think, if you have been a fan of Tulsi Gabbard, this isn't like, oh, where did she go wrong? This is the same fucking Tulsi Gabbard that you knew a year ago when you thought she was wonderful. There needs to be some, some, some self-reflection, as Brittany Page said. Anyway, she's introduced a bigot bill on the floor of the House with a Republican called Protects Women, Protect Women's Sports Act. And I wanted you to listen to her talk about it to justify it. She put a video up on YouTube, and her calm demeanor doesn't take away from abject fucking hatred and bigotry toward trans children. Fucking trans kids. It's bad enough when it's adults. But fucking kids. With the suicide rates in the trans community being what they are. And you got fucking Tulsi Gabbard introducing reprehensible legislation like this. Listen to her describe it. The clip picks up with her ending talking about what Title IX is. And going into kind of a a pivot move to say... And there are other reasons why Title IX is great, because it leads to this kind of stuff. And then she briefly explains Protect Women's Sports Act. Title IX made it so that schools could not discriminate between boys and girls, men and women, in both academics and sports. And it created 
uh, life-changing opportunities for girls and women that never existed before, blazing the trail for those who we see today are competing at the highest levels. I think it's important to point out that the impact of this also has reaches that go far beyond competitive sports. Uh, the statistics show that over 80% of female managers of Fortune 500 companies have a sports background. They show that girls who participate in team sports, they are less likely to drop out of school, uh, less likely to smoke or drink or become a teen mom, and are more likely to be healthier, more empowered, more confident as a result of the opportunities afforded by Title IX. So its value, Title IX's value cannot and should not be minimized. Now, unfortunately, uh, some states are now misinterpreting Title IX, creating uncertainty, uh, hardship, and lost opportunities for girls and women. It is being undermined by changing rules that allow biological males who identify as women to compete against biological women in sports. There's an example in Connecticut a few years back, a 15-year-old transgender male-bodied girl beat the biological female competition in 2017 at their state track and field championship and finished first in both the 100-meter and 200-meter dash. Now, the biological female competitors in Connecticut were very frustrated because this male-bodied competitor had a biological and physiological advantage in a sport based on physical strength and speed. Now, it's a fact. Biological males hold a physical advantage over biological females when it comes to sports. This is specifically why Title IX's sex-based segregation in sport was created. So I introduced science-based legislation called the Protect Women's Sports Act that clarifies, upholds, and strengthens the original intent of Title IX. It ensures a level playing field for girls and women competing in sports. So just to reiterate, this is how the quote-unquote progressive Tulsi Gabbard is spending her precious little moments before leaving Congress. Her final weeks in Congress. Yeah. So not I'm, fighting for Medicare for all, not fighting for a living wage, not fighting for a coronavirus stimulus package. <laughs> She's wanting to fucking put a trans, an anti-trans bigotry bill through. So she's actually responding to people that are calling her a transphobic and also a right-wing shitheel on Twitter. And this is what she said. <laughs> right-wing shitheel. And I want you to listen to this because she brings up the phrase identity politics. Uh, of course and, she does! And you're going to love... You know, just like progressives do. Yeah, you're going to... Just like progressives do. You're going to love what she has to say about identity Fucking politics. Bigot. So get ready for this. Quote, I welcome real criticism and debate. I said criticism odd but i heard oddly, criticism I, okay do your thing but my so-called critics don't want to debate the issues they just want to engage in smears and slurs and name calling and innuendo um something about commas i think could be useful in that sentence but we're not here to talk about that she goes on 
Identity politics is having an incredibly destructive effect on our country, rather than recognizing what connects all Americans. Is this Sam Harris or Dave Rubin? Are you sure this is Tulsi Gabbard, the progressive? It's being done to help people (laughs) and parties get in power and stay in power Mm. by pitting individual Americans against each other. Here's what I love about this. This is what always happens when people talk about identity politics. Did you see what she said in that sentence? I'm going to read it again. It's being done to help people and parties get in power and stay in power by pitting individual Americans against each other. What That's does what she she's doing? What does she think she's doing? Exactly. By exactly. ratcheting up the fear and sending a message with her anti-trans and abortion bills on her way out the door. Right. What does she think she's doing? Well, she's 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 bolstering her CV. To get that coveted Fox News job, because that's the new home for Tulsi Gabbard. Make no mistake. Whenever people complain about identity politics, they always simultaneously engage in identity politics. Yes. And that's what's happening right here as well. Listen, there is, listen, there, there is a conversation to be had about sports in high school and the competitive advantage that males have against females. Okay, fine. It seems fucking unimportant to have that conversation. But if that's your, what makes you fucking giddy, Tulsi Gabbard, lady progressive, fucking fine. But you're addressing a problem that is not a problem. Because of the thousands of school districts across the country, you're naming one specific instance You're not addressing the misery of the hundreds of thousands, I don't know the numbers, of trans kids in America, but real suffering, the real threat of suicide for people who are living in fear and terror, oppression at the hands of their their. Maybe faculty, but certainly fellow students. So if if your nod out the door is to protect little Susie Trackstar and not kids who are really being fucking hurt, then get the fuck out of here. Go to Fox News. Do your worst. You're a bigot, Tulsi Gabbard. You're not a progressive. And stop it, everybody. With the coming to her fucking defense. Well, don't you want them to call into the show if they don't agree with your take? uh, Belay my last, everyone. Okay. Absolutely. 657-464-7609. I doubt it. At dollamore.com. I want to give one more quote from her in, in defense of this legislation. She said, quote, It's the height of hypocrisy for someone who claims to be an advocate for women's rights to also simultaneously deny the biological existence of women. How can someone claim to be a champion of women while denying our very existence? Which is, quite frankly, laughable. Yeah. Hey, hey Tulsi. Trans women are women. Trans girls are girls. But you hear the language. They're not just male-bodied competitors. Do you hear the language that she's using? She's using the language that the trans community uses about existence. Yes. And she's using it against them now. That's right. And I, I just, I hope that people can see through this and see what's happening. And it concerns me a little bit to see people who identify as progressives 
seemingly being unable to see through it. And I'm not sure what that's about. I mean, I know that Tulsi talks about regime change wars. Isn't that her slogan that she would say all the time? endless regime change wars. (laughs) But you got to look beyond that. And justice Democrats, progressive Democrats have a platform. You can go read it online and then tell me how much Tulsi Gabbard's views and values align with the platform that a progressive is supposed to have. Uh, shocker um, that AOC signed on. She's a co-sponsor of this anti-trans bigotry bill. No. No. Of course she's fucking not. Because AOC is not a bigot. Uh, Listen, the, the, the trans civil rights movement is the civil rights movement of our time. Obviously, there are others that are that continue. The black civil rights movement still continues today. We saw that this summer. But the trans civil rights movement is where the black civil rights movement was 40 years ago, 50 years ago. And if you're not there, you might want to step onto the right side of history. Because in another 30 years, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I always supported trans rights. When they were not on the forefront of the fight. Anyway, again, we'd love to know what you think. We're going to end it there. There's a couple more topics, but we will get to them next time. We'd love to hear from you. We really, really would. Listen, I know that I scream and I yell and I get passionate and I get pissed off. You do? Not all the time, just all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we love about Jesse D. Oh, well, not everybody. That's true. Certainly, Tulsi, certainly not this time. Yeah. But we'd love to hear from you. If you haven't sounded off on the show, and especially if you disagree, especially if you dissent, we want to hear from you. Of course, if you agree, you have another perspective, you have another element that you want to talk about, let's hear it. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email us a voice memo or a regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would love your support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcast. That is a wonderful thing that you can do. Doesn't cost you any money. It only costs you time. So while you're at home quarantined, rate and review the show. You can also um, support us on Patreon. Go to teamdollamore.com or dollamore.com slash Patreon. Choose your tier. We send out stickers. There's Patreon calls. There's other perks. We would love to have you in the Patreon family helping produce the show. Did you hear the voice give out a little bit, Brittany Page? It happens. It happens. You shot me a look when it happened. I'm surprised <clears throat> you didn't hear me when I mumbled criticism or whatever the word was earlier. You don't even remember. See, it's so inconsequential. Well, you know what? You talk for an hour and your voice is going to give out sometimes. It's your gonna voice happen. is going to give out. My voice never gives out. I just forgot what happened. Okay. Anyway, we'd love to see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Until then, the next time, we'll see ya. We love you guys. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.